All right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Uh, my name is Chris Pleckenpool, and I am so glad all of you are here. Welcome back. If it's been a long time since you've been inside, uh, we are glad you are here, and thanks for braving it with us. And uh, if you're new, um, we, are, uh, we love questions. We are a big fan of questions. And so if you have like any questions on your heart, like, what did that mean? Are you sure that's true? I have Pastor Plex podcast, and I would love to engage every one of your questions. It's kind of a thrill for me. If I have no questions, I have to make up other questions that you don't care about. So please text us at the number on the screen. I'll leave this number on here uh, at the bottom of the screen throughout, but I would love to get your questions. All right, we are in a series called how to be rich. And um, it's not necessarily how to get rich, but rather how to be rich because pretty much everybody here already is. All right. And I think you would say to me, no, 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 Chris, no, no, I'm not rich. Listen, if once I get to be rich and how much is rich as Rockefeller said, $1 more. All right. So that's kind of where we always find ourselves. And I was trying to think of how we should best view our money within the context of we are already rich people. And, and so here's where I want to go down. Let me think of it this way. Um, okay, uh, next week is Father's Day. How many guys knew that? How many dads are like, yes, church off next week? No, that's not what you should be saying. No, it, that is a time to come and to be enriched and love uh, being in God's house. And we would love to have you. But here it is. Here's one of the things that, here, something that if you're a new dad or like you've, you've maybe you haven't been tuned in to kind of all the privileges that being a dad is. There's something called the daddy tax. Is everyone familiar with this? Everybody knows what this is? The daddy tax is if you have, for example, a massive bowl of mint chocolate chip ice cream and you are about to bestow it upon one of your offspring and you put it right before them and before you give them the spoon, you do one of these. And then that causes tears, right? Uh, and so then you have to inform them that they don't actually own anything and that all they have is mine. And that is a daddy tax to remind you that everything you have is actually not yours but mine. In fact, the, the room that my children live in is not their room. That's my room that I let them stay in. And so a daddy tax is a great way to remind them that they don't own anything, okay? So just in case just you were wondering, that's how that works. It's a beautiful thing. And then eventually, they'll um, probably rebel from that and not give me any ice cream. But for now, it really works. Now, and when we talk about that, when you're like, that's fun. Everyone understands that. Kids don't own anything. Everything they have is from their, their dad. And that's why daddy tax makes sense. But when it comes to God, we've said this, like, God is a father. And God owns it all. And so whenever like God asks us to give, we're just giving back to him that which was already his in the first place. And usually in this, we're like, oh, here we go. Pastor's talking about money. Makes everybody nervous. Start looking at your shoes. But the reality is here, here's the reality, right? Because I would say to you, you, you are already rich. And here's how I know this. Watch this. Did you know that for Christian families, this is just like a fun fact. For Christian families making less than $20,000 per year, 8% of them 8%, so it's not a ton, but 8% of them give at least 10% to church, all right? But for families making a minimum of 75,000 or more, that figure drops to just 1%, okay? That's just how it is. 
And so here's what people tell me all the time. Once I start making a X amount, then I will start giving. Once I start, you know, I have enough and blah, blah, blah then I'll start managing my money the God, way that God wants me. Until then, we don't like to talk about money. So can you just get through this? I know you have to do it because you're a pastor and that's just part of your job. But please, can you make this series like one sermon? No, we're going to do this for four, all right? We're going to do this for a whole month. We're going to be talking about this because it's that important. We talk about porn. We talk about sex. So we're going to talk about money. That's what we do here. So welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. I'm so glad you guys are all here. Okay. All right. So here's what I want to talk about as uh, here's why we resist being God's manager. We resist because this is what we say. Listen, Chris, it's mine, not God's. I earned it. I didn't see God put in the extra overtime. I didn't see God doing anything beyond what I was doing. I, look, he's up there kicking back in heaven, having a blast. This is my money, okay? Or maybe it's not like that. Maybe it's a little bit darker, and it's God doesn't care about me because if you were to look at my life and you were to look at the way things have gone and you were to look at sort of how everything has happened with my family and my stuff, I would tell you, listen, God's not into me, and so why should I be into him? Or, or maybe it's a flip of that. It's, listen, God's got a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need my money. I mean, God doesn't care. He doesn't care about what I do with my money. He's got, he's got like pandemics to solve. He's got world terroristic crises to, to solve. He's got people being murdered and violence all over. There's a lot of problems, and my money and my little world of suburban wherever is not going to affect anything. And I think that's because we think of, when we talk about this being God's money, we think, what does God want to take from me as opposed to what does God want to give me? And so we're going to talk about that this morning, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Matthew 25 is really where Jesus is talking about tribulation saints, uh, but it really applies to everybody. So if you've been with us through our Revelation series, uh, this is specifically written to those people in that time. But I, this applies theologically across the board for any people at any time. We're going to be talking specifically about God owns everything and we are his servants. That's where we're going this morning. So Matthew chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, there should be Bibles like sporadically all over the place under chairs. And we would love for you to take one. That's our gift to you. Um, we love everyone to have a copy of God's word. All right, Matthew 25. We're going to start at verse 14, but let's first go to prayer. Father, thank you that you are in the business of um, extracting greed from our hearts, extracting the idolatry of stuff, and reminding us that you own it all. And if we would just trust you, we'd have access to everything. But there's something inside of us that's broken, God, and we know that when we are drawn to shiny things, that those shiny things will not care about us, love us, or take care of us. It's cold, and it's a tool, um, and God, we thank you that we know that. But God, would you inspire us to remember that, not just to today, but for every day, that our lives would be marked by us living out your grace with your resources. So in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? All right, here we go. We're at Matthew 25, verse 14. It's kind of continuing a, a parable series uh, that Jesus says, says, for it... And that it refers to the previous parable where it's like for the kingdom of heaven. So this is a kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. 
To one, he gave five talents. Now, usually when I say the word talents, people are like, well, I'm pretty talented at baseball, and I can throw a ball really fast. I can pitch, I can hit, I can pretty much do anything. You put me on a field, or I can, I can sink threes from way downtown. I can, you, know, you, you put me in front of some software, I can code like a champ. I'm ready to work for NVIDIA and make some new programming. All right? I am ready to go. And so what people say is like, that talent. No, talent, though, is not your skill set, but it, this specific talent refers to roughly an 80-pound chunk of precious metal. I mean, we're talking, you know, it'd probably be like yay tall, but you go, <laughs> use your legs when you lift it, okay? It's like right here, and you can do some good squats right here, and this would be a good workout. Now, the thing, the value of a talent was about 16 plus years, so 16 and change years, wages. So it wasn't like a year's wage, it was like 16 years wages. So times that by five, we got like roughly 80 years wages. All right. So, so, okay. So this is, this guy rolls up. He's got 80 years wages right off the bat. Not, not a bad gig. All right. So I'm going to give you these five talents and to another two. So he roughly 32 plus years wages and to another one. And even with the guy that got just one, it's 16 plus years wages. That ain't bad. That's a huge chunk of change to each according to his ability. In this case, he did not give them more than they could handle uh, when it came to finances. And this is where you'd say, listen, if I could just make more, you would probably be poor because you'd ruin yourself with it, okay? So like, he knows what you can handle, he knows what you can't, all right? So this is, uh, on this specific story, he's like, listen, you got five talents, you got two, you got one according to your ability to manage wealth. And then he went away. Now, let's see what happens, verse 16. He who had received the five talents went and once it traded with them, and he made five talents more. So this guy is killing it. It was like maybe some Dogecoin right at the right time, time the market, bam. All right. Uh, and so he also had the two talents, made two talents more. He just said, whatever you're doing, I'm putting my money in the same spot. Okay. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. In other words, where's my money and what'd you do with it? So God is the owner and his people are his managers. I think th this is like thematically what I'm wanting you to get. God is the owner, his people are his managers. And one of the ways that I could best probably illustrate this, um, okay, um, how many, do I, where are my military people at? Okay, yeah, a couple of you guys, all right, all right, I'm, I'm one of those. All right, so when I was a, a commander in the army, I, I was a captain, I, got, I was in charge of a tank company, and um, I had to inventory all of my equipment, and I had, first I had 16 tanks, and then we went to Iraq, and they gave me five more. I was like, Rawr. I was like, it was kind of like this, only not at all like that. But anyway, so I get 21 tanks, and I had to inventory them, and listen, when you inventory, it's like you're counting every part so I had transmissions over here. I had the tanks right here. I had like the hammers that you pound the, the tank tread on with. I mean, tank tread. And so I would have and all my M4s. I had all my pistols. And I would take pictures of each one and serial number categorize each one. And it was 
long time. It was meticulous and it was stuff that you hire somebody for, but you have to get eyes on your own stuff because if somebody pulls a switcheroo and then all of a sudden at the end of your command, which happened at the end of my command, I had to turn over all of my stuff back to the owner, AKA the army. And they would say, you now owe us for all the stuff you lost. All right. Thankfully, that went well. But here's what did happen. There was a time when somebody lost some night vision goggles. And that's when you do hands across the desert. So everyone grabs hands and they're like, all right, everyone step forward. And, and it's like kind of a lesson to everybody that don't lose stuff. And then you have to sit there going, oh, I hate you. But it's also, we're going to cover every square inch of this place. Where did you think you lost? I don't know, sir. I'm 18. I don't know anything. All right. And so then you kind of look around, you look around, you look around. And thank God we found the $2,500 pair of knots. Okay. Uh, night vision goggles. Okay. So what happens is, is that's sort of like the intensity and the, the reality of how God has entrusted us with his resources. And that includes your brains and your bodies. But I think the problem with us, can I just tell you where I think we struggle? Is we don't take inventory. Here's what I mean by that. You don't know how to budget. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't like a shame on you, you don't budget. This is a nobody taught you. This is a, uh, a lack of knowledge, and for lack of knowledge, my people perish. And that is why we live in a country of debt, where we swim in debt, and debt prevents us from doing the things that really maybe God has called us to do, and we have to overcome this unbelievable hurdle of debt. And because we've never looked at what our uh, finances say, and we've never said, you know, I probably don't need an extra Spotify account, or I don't need, there's things that we sort of like have come encompassed to because it makes us comfortable, but we don't need it. And so this this huge aspect of life that we sort of missed out on because we've never taken an inventory. All right, and this, here's a free plug. Okay, free plug. On Tuesday night, right here, uh, Dave Sheffield, one of our elders, is going to be leading us through financial peace. So come. Well, I think we even have childcare for that. So come on. What, what are you not like your functionality of your budget rests on the fact that you need to start one. Okay. And so why not come on Tuesday? That's a free plug for that. Okay. But here's what I wanted you to think about. Because you're like, well, Chris, well, what? I mean, it's not like God gave me a manual to tell me where to spend my money. Well, sort of. And I did some scripture digging for you to kind of figure out how this all went back in the Old Testament, and we can kind of apply it to our life. This is a field. And where are my Aggies at? This is what you guys went to school for and studied fields. All right, you know lots about this. Those of us that live in Austin don't know anything about fields. We know about computers, all right? and coding things, all right? This is not our world. However, this is a wheat field, okay? Now, <laughs> what I wanted you to see is that you would plant a wheat field, and then there were certain ways that the Lord called the people of the Old Testament to harvest it. So the first 10% went to first fruits, like the first cow that was born, the first of the plants and the things, and the wheat would get a special tie. That'd be 10%, thank you very much right off the top. And everyone's like, okay, I'm down with that. And then they had an entire, the, 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 the theological and civil system were intermeshed. So that meant like God was taxing you. So that was sort of like, everyone's like, I hate taxes. Then, then you'd be like hating God. So that didn't go well. So you didn't say that kind of stuff. All right. But you, had, you were taxed uh, 13 to roughly 23% based. It's kind of some 
discrepancy on how people read scripture. But let's go 13 on the low end, 23 on the high end. Another 10% went to uh, the national treasury for feasts. There was 10% of the GDP that went to party. I mean, how awesome is that? God was pretty great. So you'd come three times a year to party and you'd eat as much as you possibly could. That's that, a God who loves us, all right? And that has, it says, and you shall eat and enjoy all the wheat and the beer and the ale. You're like, wow, look at that. All right. So then you'd also have another 10% went to like the Levites, the guys that kind of put the parties on and do the ministry throughout the, the whole um, uh, country of Israel. And then another 3.3% per year went to benevolence. For all the poor people that were struggling, they kind of set up a benevolence fund to help out people and when they were struggling. Okay, so that's, so you got, okay, then you got that. Then he said, listen, you guys got to save. You got your, uh, listen, when you lose the job or the crops don't come, there's a drought, you got to have some savings. You got to have some stuff stored up. And then, listen, you're going to have family and everybody knows that you got to take care of your family because if you're not, if you don't, you're worse than an unbeliever. All right. So take care of your family. And so you got to save for those sort of rainy days that come. And then 47 to 62% live off that. Enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 8.4. I love it. It's just like, have a party. Life's short, enjoy it. And then on the flip side, Proverbs 21 was like, listen, don't waste it all in one day. All right, so you kind of have a little bit of wisdom, live wisely uh, with the money that God has given you, so live it up. But then this last little bit, which I love this, is the margin, don't, don't spend up to the very last bit, give margin for the poor. So they'd have like at the very edge of the field, so remember there's a field, and this is the road right here, you come, somebody walk along, and they're a traveler, a migrant, something. They would go by and like, ah, grain of wheat. Thank you for not harvesting all the way to the very edge. You're providing for me as I travel, or I'm a poor person, or whatever. And so it was built in to take care of the poor in two ways. One, through a national tax, and two, just like in your own personal benevolence to the people of not harvesting to the very edge of your field. Got it? All right. Take a picture of that. That's how you should manage your money. All right, so now here's the reality, though, right? The reality is, is we don't even think in those terms. All right, I think for us that we struggle with this is that we have, have seen that, maybe even heard that, but like now that I'm buried in debt, how do I even get out of that? All right, so we'll be talking about that. That's why I want you guys to go to financial peace, but I want you to see the reason why you get to that place is based upon something you believe about God. And maybe you didn't even realize, realize, maybe you didn't even realize that you believe this about God. Watch this. Watch this next, this verse, verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Well, sorry. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now listen, this faithful over a little. He was faithful over 80 years worth of wages. And God calls that little. And this is part of our problem. We think that God is running short on dough. Like somewhere back in the back, of the, he's like, crud, I forgot about the plekin poles, and they were going to, you know, someone's going to get sick. Does anybody, we're going to have to go borrow from another planet. I don't know what we're going to do, right? I feel like we look at God and we're like, he doesn't have that much. Or we view, the way he views 80 years worth of little, wages is little bitty because he's richer than Jeff Bezos. 
Now watch, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. This was something that he was looking forward to. He got to be with his master. Hallelujah chorus is playing. He's excited about his master. Now, verse 24. He also had received the one talent came forward and listen to what he says. And this, I know that no one here is going to say that they're this person because of course you wouldn't and we're at church and we are not that person. But watch. Master, I knew you'd be a hard man reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And you know, it kind of still has some dirt. It's like, here, you have what's yours. Now watch this. Belief about God affects management strategy. Belief about God affects management strategy. And this is true for anything. A belief about your business affects the way you manage the money for your business. A belief about your spouse affects the way you act and love your spouse. Belief about your children affects how you love, support, care for them. A belief about your parents in the same way affects all of that. I mean, just think about when I talk about, what do you believe about your parents? And some of your dad issues galore and you're just like, mm, 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 and anger sort of rises up or maybe there's a vacuous hole there or, or whatever it is. There, there is a belief that inspires a feeling and an action that goes with it. Now watch this, watch this. So here's how this, this the one talent dude this is how he felt. Master, I knew you to be, and let's put it in our modern day vernacular, a Scrooge. All right, you reap where you don't sow. I mean, it makes no sense. I'm going to go and try and ask for, to get money from where I didn't invest in. And I knew that's the kind of guy you were. So I was afraid of you. And I went and took no risk for you. Okay. All right. So if you view God as like sort of out there, like, Wait, ready to come down and make sure he gets his, you won't take any risk. But I don't know if that's where a lot of us are. I think a lot of us are here. Master, I knew you to be maybe powerless, and I was afraid. And I got to rely on my 401k, and I don't know if my 401k is going to do it. And I don't know if, if I've got enough investments lined up. I don't know if I have enough equity to my house, and I don't know. Like, there's stuff, stuff coming on. And so I went, and I protected myself because I knew I couldn't trust you to do it. Now watch this. If your, if your management style of your money is I need to protect myself, it might reveal your heart of how you really believe God is. Remember, a lot of us don't intend to be atheists. We're just one practically. Watch, watch. Mass, or maybe it's this. Master, I knew you to be irrelevant. So I was afraid, FOMO, I had a fear of missing out. And I went and spent money I don't have to impress people I don't like. And I could say, if we sat around with our culture, we'd be like, 
so really, why did you get that? And you're like, well, you know, so-and-so had one. And so I thought, well, at least if he had one, I pretty much deserve one. And so we kind of roll with this attitude if, if I should have because someone else has. And because that's because we don't look at a master who is all loving and all giving and all supportive as a father. We look at him as either irrelevant or powerless or a Scrooge. And I'm sure you could fit in many combinations of those, but I think that's where we go when it comes to God. But what if we looked at God like this? And we said, God, you are a loving father. And so I was excited. And I went and invested your wealth to advance your kingdom. And there's nothing that gives me more pleasure. There's nothing that gets me more excited. I, I want to enter and be a part of your team going and pushing back against the darkness with the resources you've given me to do your will and your work. Now that is something we can get excited about. But it comes back to what you believe about God. So if this is not your heart, this probably isn't how you view God. You hear me? If this isn't how you view your wealth, that's not how you view God. And so the, the answer is then, or the thing we're trying to get, how do you view the wealth? And how are you, I gotta protect myself. Listen, no one else is. God helps those who help themselves. You just revealed that God is powerless in your heart. Okay, now watch, watch how this wraps up. It gets kind of like, turns dark real fast. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew, you, based upon your view of me, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own, because all this is mine anyway, with interest. So take the talent from one talent guy and give it to him who has the 10 talents. And then Jesus is going to make this shift. For to everyone who has will more be given and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. I thought Jesus was like a happy, like loving, like fun guy who just like petted his beard a lot. No, here is Jesus is kind of frustrated with like sort of that sort of mentality. And then he says, listen, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, watch this, wrong action from wrong belief separated the manager from the master's presence. Okay, listen, I need, I need you to hear this. This is so huge. Risk is at the heart of discipleship. The difference between living out in the flesh or the fear, living out fear to live like a, a fear-based life. I'm just, I live my life completely risk avoidant because I just try to do the thing that's gonna cause the least pain. I live a world of pain avoidance. Watch, watch. Wrong action, pain avoidance because from wrong belief because I don't trust my master separate the manager from the master's presence because if I don't trust him, I don't want to be around him. So thank you very much. He got what he wanted. So, and this is, this is true of all families do this, right? Uh, so yesterday, um, Jet was frustrated with Titus. Jet's my second son and Titus is my third. So Jet takes a nice loogie and launches it right on his face. 
To which Titus comes in, he's like, I don't like it. I don't. I'm like, what don't you like? You know, I thought he was whining about, I don't know, something we gave him to eat. And then he's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, who did that? He's like, Jet did that. And I'm like, Jet, what are you doing? All right, you need to be separated from my pre- 10 minutes in the box. Go to your room, 10 minutes. And so he goes up for 10 minutes. So that caused a separation from the presence because he doesn't trust. Because watch what, Jet had to take justice into his own hands. So daddy's not going to do anything because Titus is annoying me or whatever. I deserve Titus to serve me because he's my younger brother, whatever. Wrong action from wrong belief separated my son from my presence. Okay, right? And then eventually... That was discipline, and I brought him back. Now, that's how it works for believers. Isn't that good news? That, that God uh, will discipline those whom he loves. But if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, here's, this is where I get like, sort of like on the urgency kick here. Listen. Everything about you and everything you do stems from your belief about who God is. And so if you believe him not to be loving, and you believe him to be... Uh, someone who doesn't want your best, you will not understand what he did for you to have you in his presence. You see, there was this issue of sin that we inherited. So it wasn't just us that, it wasn't just Jet spitting on his brother, but rather, remember back in the garden, you got Adam and Eve, and they believed a lie that God didn't have their best, that they could be like God they just listened to the serpent. The serpent was like, listen, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Why are you listening to that guy? He's just, you know, he's old. You guys are new and fresh. You guys are the next thing. Come on, let's just take a bite of this thing and you're going to be like him. And that is going to be where, and so they obeyed. They, they had a wrong belief and then they obeyed it and that separated them from their master. The good news is that God saw that And that separation was something he went to fix by sending Jesus. So Jesus came from heaven to earth and he died on a cross. And this is the whole thing about Christianity. Jesus died on a cross for our sin and for that separation. And then he rose from the dead. So if you are not a Christian here, man, I'm so glad you are here. And my heart for you isn't this that you'd start to spend money right, but rather that your heart would get right and then the rest of your life will get in a line with God's design. So, so, so here's, here's my heart for you. If you're not a Christian, would you trust that Jesus died on the cross for you and then he rose from the dead Amen. to bring you to eternal life with him and so you don't have to be separated from him for eternity? And if, if you are a Christian, man, my, my hope for you is... Is, is, is this question, is for whom are you managing wealth? Are you managing wealth for a loving father? Or are you managing wealth for a Scrooge? Are you managing wealth for an irrelevant one or one that doesn't exist and so you're your own God? For whom are you managing your wealth? And one of the reasons why we come together regularly and why it's so important for us as to be in person with one another is to experience this thing of communion or the Lord's Supper. Because one of the things that I, I don't want us to miss out on is that the greatest treasure that Jesus gave was himself. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body 
given for you. In other words, watch this, the bread that you eat, this feeds your stomach like Jesus feeds your soul. That's your reliance upon him. Or, or this, or the same night he took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And so what I want to do, um, if you're a Christian, this is something that Christians do, it's like a family affair. If you're a Christian, um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to take about 30 seconds to just maybe confess to God how we haven't managed our money for a loving father. We've been managing it for a Scrooge or an irrelevant one or any of the things that make us sort of practical atheists and we have not engaged our God well. And so we're going we're gonna to pray, we're going to confess to God, and then we're going to take uh, the Lord's Supper together. Is that all right? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are moving in a unique and powerful way. And so I'm so grateful that, God, you are doing something really, really special. And so, God, I pray that um, our hearts wouldn't grow um, toward darkness, but rather we would have great hope, Jesus. And, uh, Lord, I'm praying that, that for those here that um, have been managing their own wealth for their own selves, would see that you risked it all. You became so vulnerable and you died on a cross and then you rose from the dead and that you trusted your heavenly father. And so God, if Jesus can trust you like that, we can trust you like that with our resources here. So God, I pray that you would just do a work. But God, before we get to that, I just pray that somebody who hasn't ever trusted you would just step over that line of faith and say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me and that you would that you'd reveal that you died on that cross and you rose from the dead and their heart would become fully yours, God, please. And Lord, I'm praying that for us that are managing these resources for you, we do it in a way that would honor you. So in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Imagine just for a moment what your life would look like if you took everything about God as a loving father who has all the resources and 80 years wages is little bitty. Imagine if you believe that and then lived a life that went to advance his kingdom instead of protect your own. It would change your family. It would change this church. It would change that city. And we'd be a beacon and a place of hope. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who understand fully that everything we have is God's, including our bucks, our brains, and our brawn. Go and be a people who trust God, who is sovereign to take care of us, love us, and never run out. And go and be a people who serve him to advance his kingdom and push back the darkness. Have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.